Welcome to Marketing Like a Mother, a podcast made for mumpreneurs by mumpreneurs. Each week we're diving into mum-approved business and marketing strategies to help you grow a profitable and family-friendly business. Today I'm your co-host Michelle Poulvert. And I'm Olivia Radcliffe. And we are going to be talking about what our individual unique visions of success and enough look like in our businesses. I think this is a really interesting topic because there's a lot of talk around goal setting and, you know, defining what you're wanting out of your business, out of your launches, out of your different ventures that you start. But I think sometimes it's easy to get swept up into the big numbers that people throw around, the sort of industry standard, the, I don't know, hype around how to have a successful business. And I think it's a really important thing to touch base with your own measures of success, your own sense of enough to kind of make sure you're working towards something you ultimately want. So I thought it would be really helpful to just genuinely share what we're working towards, what our visions of success and enough look like to kind of share how we came up with that and maybe help give you some ideas as you introspect and think about what your vision of success and enough looks like for you. So do you want to start first with the or shall I? <laughs> I mean, I can jump right in. Um, Go for it. Because <laughs> my vision of success is, it's a little vague to some people because it's built all on feelings and emotion mm. and not a whole lot of like actual number metrics in there that I can measure. So, mm-hmm. you know, my main goal for my business was to, um, was to give me freedom. And in my mind, that freedom is time freedom to spend, yeah. you know, playing cars with my son whenever we <laughs> want, you know, I want to be able to, in the middle of the day, go on an adventure down to the river or something, throwing rocks in. I want to have that time and not feel so crunched or stressed or like, I can't leave my house because I need to be working. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of whatever financial number that means that gives me that Mm -hmm. time freedom that's what I need to hit. Now, obviously I have my own metrics, you know, this is how much I absolutely need to spend per month baseline to, to keep everything functioning. Here's what I'd really like to be able to do, like to never think twice about going on these adventures. Um, Mm. and so that's kind of where, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all about a comfort level for me and what that looks like as far as how big my business gets. You know, I I have had thoughts about how great it would be to have a team, like a full, like hire everybody um, team. And that sounds good, but it's also not something I'm definitely striving towards. I'm open Mm -hmm. either way to that. It's all about that, that ultimate feeling of freedom. Mm. I love that. I really, I can resonate with that too. A, A lot of my sort of vision of success boils down to that sense of freedom and kind of flexibility. A lot of the kind of motivators to start my business and maintain my business were to, in equal parts, find a solution to work around the life I have, the caregiving responsibilities, my own needs and sort of energy levels. But it was also kind of created as a, I don't know, a mental exercise for myself, like a way for me to 
explore my creativity, to find a way to feel like I'm contributing and scratch the itch of feeling like I'm doing something productive with my days and my time. So yes, like the freedom and the flexibility is huge. And that's like the underpinning of most of the decisions I make in my business. But I do also have this kind of other touch point of, I want to make sure it still feels fun and exciting and creative. And basically that I'm still scratching that itch of something I feel is of value to me and the people hopefully receiving the things I'm creating. Um, You know, I had a very non-traditional journey into entrepreneurship, I guess. I never had a traditional job kind of coming into this. So I always knew it was going to look a little different than people who have transitioned from a corporate or nine to five kind of position. But I think creativity has been key to everything I've done professionally and probably outside of that. So thinking about how I wanted to structure my business, it was very important to keep that piece alive too. Um, Thinking about enough, it was an interesting kind of phrase I've picked up from uh, Jason and Caroline Zook, who ran Wandering Ainfully, and they talk about their enough number a lot, which is kind of the how much you need to earn to keep your business running. I think there's also like an enough for your work, for your, I don't know, your energy export from your business too. Like how much energy do you feel like you really need to put into things? How much time and effort do you need to feel to feel like you've given it a good try, done your best? And I think that could be a really interesting thing to talk around, especially with, you know, a lot of perfectionism, a lot of people who are really, I don't know, preaching this whole, you know, you have to show up and you have to be kind of perfect. And I think there's something really valuable in the enoughness of showing up as ourselves. And that's something, you know, we talk about with how we do this podcast, with how we do a lot of things. So I'd love to just like touch on what showing up as enough looks like for us too. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of a crucial point that a lot of people skip out on, you know, a, a lot of the women I've worked with um both as clients and as collaborators, they have this really big enoughness wound. Either they don't mm-hmm. feel like they are enough, that what they're doing isn't enough, you know, they're not showing up enough, or they feel like they are too much. And Yeah. That's that's a that's the big kind of counter side that that a lot of people don't really see, don't pay attention to. And mm. the reality is, is you are perfect just how you are. I'm <laughs> get all cliche and sappy. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but it, it is finding that balance of of what actually does feel good for you. What do you want? Yeah. You know, with the work you're putting into your business, how much you're working during the week, there is that enough point where. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go less than that, you might feel like you're not doing enough and you might feel antsy and like you need to, you know, get some energy out some way, somehow, or you might feel overly exerted and stressed and overwhelmed. And it's really about finding that balance of what feels good to you, not what someone else says you should be doing or what another coach says. It's what feels good to you. Yeah. I think we all have that kind of diminishing return point on our energy and efforts. You know, when you're creating something, you can get it to a point where it's pretty good. You're happy with it. And it, for some people, can be really hard to leave it alone. And they'll often kind of push it past that being good enough, enough 
to share enough to move forward into this kind of perfecting place. And I think there's definitely a time and a place for refining and reviewing your work. But I think particularly as women, particularly as women who I think are often not made to feel enough in our roles as mothers, as I don't know, there's a lot of judgment, a lot of baggage that comes with living in the world as mums. And I think we can kind of bring that into some of the work we do and overcompensate by trying to make everything so perfect the first time. And I kind of, I love sort of, I don't know, shouting in the face of that, of like, just doing something is probably better than 99.9 of the other people out there because they're too stuck in that perfectionist to do anything at all. So I I really like seeing people who take kind of messy action, who try things, who do the MVP, the minimally viable product to put things out imperfectly and, you know, work on it, refine it, maybe work on it more publicly than we feel comfortable. But I think that is the only real way to move forward unless you're willing to put in, you know, decades behind the scenes before you show anything public. Um, so I, I really try and like live by that motto of like just putting enough in before I share and before I you know put things together but I know that's not everybody's speed I know that's not everybody's style but I do I really I found a lot of value in just letting go of that perfect goal because I don't think it exists like I don't know what it's a bit like the imaginary number goal like unless it is a concrete thing I don't know how you get there so having a sense of what is done enough for a project what is good enough for a launch what is good enough for you know how you deliver your service it def- it's a much more definable endpoint and i think you can give yourself more grace as you get to that endpoint and decide you know okay i'm going to move on to the next thing or i'm going to you know reassess it or whatever um you know i think having that marker before perfect is really really helpful and really healthy especially as we're, you know, being our own bosses and, you know, trying to manage all the stuff we have to manage. I think, I think it's a really, really helpful marker. So um, yeah, what's your done enough, good enough kind of markers in your business, Olivia? Yeah, well, I I am a self-proclaimed perfectionist. So um, (laughs) that that can be a really hard point for me is, okay, what's enough for me to actually feel good and comfortable about it is Mm -hmm. like, way far beyond where I probably should actually get it out in the world and start getting that feedback. So instead of kind of just saying it's good enough for me, I do set Mm. kind of levels for myself of like, I like it version one, you know, all right, what's good enough for version one of this knowing Mm. in the back of my head that I'm going to go past this. Like I am going to get better. It's going to grow. It's going to improve. And then I can hold that space and say, all right, this isn't the final end thing. This is just what is this minimally viable version one product offer service, whatever it is that I can get out there and just start testing the waters, just getting feedback and seeing how it does, how it feels to me, how it feels to my audience. And then I have my version two. All right, here's what I want for the the version two launch of it. And, And setting those very distinct levels for myself it helps in my brain. It, it really helps me see, okay, I have this very delineated end point of this is what I'm getting to, but it's not the like 
final version. I know that. And it gives me permission to not be perfect or try Mm. to make it feel good to me. Because if I wait until something feels good, it's, it's like never going to happen because (laughs) good to me is perfection. And yeah, um, that's unattainable. We, we can't Mm. be perfect with anything because we're always changing. Our audience is always changing. The industry is always changing. So you'll always just keep kicking that can down the road if you're trying to, to hit perfection. Mm. Yeah. I think that's, that's interesting. You've kind of figured out that your gut check isn't quite accurate and have created a system to gut check your gut check. (laughs) Um, I really like that. (laughs) Yeah. But I think we all know our kind of I don't know, foibles, our weaknesses are places that we tend to overwork, we tend to overstretch, and maybe we're overcompensating, maybe we just are perfectionists, whatever it is. I think we've all been through that feeling of having overdone it. And I don't think there's a way to avoid that fully, but I think it's a really interesting, helpful thing to reflect on. Okay, when I overdid it, where was the tipping point? Like, what could I have stopped at? Where was that sort of good enough marker and see how to reel it back in um I'll, I'll share I found out you know fairly later in life in my 20s that I am dyslexic and as a kid I kicked myself so much for all my spelling mistakes on school papers on essays on basically anything I had to write and I got really you know torn up about rereading things and trying to edit them and trying to double check my spelling which I'm not aging myself too much, but, you know, sometimes included an actual dictionary, which is my living hell to look up words you don't know how to spell. (laughs) And, you know, in the discovery that that was a word for people who struggled to write and read, um, I found a lot of permission. And I think in a weird way, I've come to terms with the fact that I may put things out into the world now that aren't spelt right, that have typos, that I can't see. And, you know, sometimes very kind people email me or message me and say like, hey, there was a typo in this email. And that would have killed me in the past before I kind of understood that was like just the way my brain works. I can't help that that's how it is. And I think the enoughness now is if spell check and Grammarly say it's fine, it's fine. It may not be right, but it's right enough. And I kind of feel like it's given me a lot more forgiveness when those mistakes happen when those things happen because they inevitably will I can't not be dyslexic (laughs) that it's it's a lot easier to take that kind of in my stride so my own internal but you know checks and balances is that there's this sort of okay I've got Grammarly on my you know computer I've got spell check going if it isn't catching it then like I've done what I can and I would rather move forward with the mistake and have the risk of someone calling it out, which is really hard as someone who, you know, doesn't particularly love having a spelling critiqued publicly. Um, I still rather that and do the thing than spend ages and ages of my time trying to spell check everything and really make it right when it's, it's just like not the best use of my time and doesn't ultimately make a huge difference in whatever it is I'm creating or what I'm launching, what I'm selling, like ultimately if there's a spelling mistake, I don't think it's going to sell any better or worse. So why spend the extra 80% of the time trying to make it perfect? So you will most likely have something else, you know, not everybody listening is going to be dyslexic. Everybody listening is going to have challenges finding their own sense of perfectionism. But 
I think you you'll know yourself and where you trip up and I think it's really interesting to kind of define for yourself where you're willing to let those things kind of sit and where you can let them go where you want to set up checks and balances for yourself because yeah we're all gonna have our unique challenges there and it's like I don't think Olivia and I ever want to feel prescriptive in this type of stuff because it's so so specific to you um but hopefully it's helpful and interesting for us to share our little you know ways of gauging enough and our own visions of what good and successful and enough and done look like I think it's really helpful just to hear and I hope you've enjoyed hearing what we have to say um do you have anything else you want to add Olivia I mean I I think you brought up a very excellent point and I think we'll have to do another episode on it because we can talk forever about definitely but but just about highlighting our our own uniqueness you know if you look at your dyslexia not as it's not necessarily a, a disability that's holding you back because you're not letting that hold you back. Mm. You are embracing who you are and how unique you are and how you work and function. And, um, you know, I know there's times where you and I have been on meetings and you've, for some reason, you're always the note taker. I'm. It's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know why that ends up that way, but Michelle always is the one taking notes. And then there's some words that we look back and we're like, what is that? But it's, <laughs> you always know, like, and it's fine. Yeah. It's just become it's, a, a lovely a little Michelle quirk. <laughs> and like, I definitely have my own little quirks that very much add to, um, <laughs> yes, yes. Add to our interaction. I, I often have to tell you where version one ends and version two begins. And yes, like, exactly. <laughs> that's the lovely part of, uh, collaboration. I think a lot of what we bring is that sense of checks and balances for each other. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the beauty of it, right? Is Mm. we are unique. We are who we are. And when we can fully embrace that and get some accountability to help us maybe (laughs) embrace that in a productive way, Mm -hmm. um, it's really transformative for someone's business. I think, I think that is the secret magic that makes you stand out as a, as a business owner, as a person, as you know, whatever you're trying to be, um, It's, it's the secret magic of you that makes you unique and makes everything, you know, flow. Yeah. I think it's also how you survive business. <laughs> like, I'll be honest, I think when you start out, you can have all these big aspirational goals and see all the big shiny people who have, you know, put a lot of effort into the facade and think that's what business has to look like. And I think for most of us, that doesn't maybe fit with what we're actually aiming for, what we want our businesses to be. But it doesn't make sense in the reality of what we're doing as solo or very small team businesses. It's just not possible. So I think setting a standard and a a kind of level that makes sense for where we're at and what return on that effort we're going to get just from a purely like business standpoint, I think is is really important. It's it's crazy to masquerade as a multi-billion euro dollar whatever business when you're a solopreneur, you know, doing one-on-one services for three people like it just doesn't make any sense and it won't serve you because it misses out on the magic that the smaller business has to offer and just like you said that's often the magic that makes all the difference so yeah basically just be you <laughs> that's all a really cheesy yeah, just be you. that's it yeah it's what it all comes down to <laughs> yeah I love it <laughs>
Oh, well, thank you everyone for joining us this week on Marketing Like a Mother. We definitely be talking about things like this more but if you have anything you'd like us to touch on um, in particular always reach out to us we really love hearing um, what you think of the show any ideas of things you'd like us to talk about and if you found value in the show today and want to support some fellow mompreneurs we really appreciate a rating um, and telling your business friends about the show Uh, it's all word of mouth so we appreciate every effort Okay, we'll be back next week with more marketing tips for busy moms with businesses. And until then, take care.